Mindfulness Mode 220. There were times when my head was spinning. There were times when I threw up. You're listening to Mindfulness Mode with me, your host and mindfulness life coach, Bruce Langford. Today, I'm excited to tell you I'm going to be on another summit. I'm going to be a speaker along with 21 other experts, and it's the Relax and Breathe Summit. You might remember I was on it last year. It was really top quality, really excellent. It's created by a very good friend, an amazing woman, Pompey Strader Vidal. She's a Zen sensei, and she's so talented. I think you'll enjoy this summit. Two 30-minute interviews every day over an 11-day period, and it's all free. I'll be discussing my own techniques and tips on that summit. And the theme is to discover more joy and less stress. So sign up at mindfulnessmode.com forward slash R-A-B 17. That stands for Relax and Breathe 2017. Now today, I have an exciting episode because our guest has created a podcast all about exciting books, at least the books that I like to read. Many of them are are self-help or related to entrepreneurship. He reads all these books, studies them, and then does a review for each episode. It's called 2000books.com. You can check it out. I'm sure you're going to enjoy today's episode. I really did myself. So sit back, relax, and enjoy Manny of 2000books.com. Okay, Mindful Tribe, let's get started. I'm really thrilled to have Manny Via here with us today. Hey, Manny, are you in mindfulness mode? Absolutely, Bruce. I'm here, right here with you, with the audience, and going nowhere else. So, fully present. That is awesome. Manny Via has been meditating for 20 years. He started it in his teens because of what he describes as a major failure in his life. He's a former engineer, as a matter of fact, a physicist and electrical and computer engineer who went on to manage billion dollar cell phone project launches before giving it all up to start his current venture, which is 2000 books. It's a book summary portal for entrepreneurs. He loves to read and he reads seven business and personal development books, get this, a week. He talks about all the great ideas he learns from these books on his YouTube channel and podcast, which can all be found at 2000books.com. So, Manny, it's so great after listening to you on your show to now meet you and hear you in person talking about this. Well, we're not quite in person. Virtually, we're in person. But, Manny, you... you read so much tell me what inspired you to start this this venture of 2000 books bruce first off let me thank you very much for having me on your show i'm a big fan of what you do i believe that all of us in this world need to find more mindfulness in whichever way i can and hopefully you are doing a big part in this mission i know you are so thank you for what you're doing Thanks, thanks, Manny. Great to have you with yeah. me today. Thank you. And when it comes to books, like what was what was the catalyst? There were a few catalysts in my life, um, but one of them was when I read uh, Atlas Shrugged by Ayn Rand, and that was uh, when I was in my uh, like I was twenty one around that time, and mm-hmm. that revolutionized my life in ways I had not known because I, I saw these characters I had I, I could I could 
see, I could feel, I, I was, I felt like they were some of the most powerful characters I had ever gotten to know on a personal basis because of that book. I, I, I don't know if you've read the book or if you're- No, I haven't. Listeners have, listeners have read the book. It's a work of fiction by Ayn Rand, but it is a, it's absolutely one of the greatest books. If you, if you have the time to read it, it's yay pig, but it is amazing. So that got me started thinking about what was possible beyond just me being an engineer, me being a physicist, because I, I, I realized I could, there's so much more to be done in this world beyond just a, a, a limitation of being an engineer for a corporation or something like that. Right. Well, so exciting that you share with your listeners all about these books and you have an amazing ability to pull great information, tidbits, great pieces from the book so that when after I listen to you talk about that book, I just truly feel like I've experienced it. So you must get a lot of feedback at how well, really how mindful you are at picking up the content. Oh, thank you, thank you. I mean, yes, I I I, I love to uh, break down ideas. I love to you know figure it out, and uh, mindfulness plays a big role in that. And uh, of course, that's you know that's my daily mindfulness practice that helps me uh, be in the zone when I'm reading and get in the zone when I'm distilling these ideas, these ideas, or even when I'm stepping away from them to be able to think about them. So. Uh, you know, when, when you're reading all these books and when you're thinking about all these books, it takes a lot of uh, um, a lot of uh, in the moment thinking, but then also being able to step away and then again able to get back into it. And then you can actually build something out of it. So it's it's a lot of fun, but also um, a lot of mindfulness challenge, I guess, in some ways. Yeah, for sure. So how do you stay mindful as you read two or three books at the same time concurrently? Yes, absolutely. And one of the most fundamental things to me when it comes to mindfulness is being completely present in that moment. To me, mindfulness is bringing all your mental faculties to bear on that task at hand. Unfortunately, we've become a world that's uh, obsessed with multitasking, with doing all these things, with focusing 15 minutes here and 30 minutes there, and nothing really gets done. And it's not even 15 minutes here and there, it's more like two minutes here and five minutes there. You can't do anything like that. So extended periods of time focused on one thing and then moving on to the next thing allow you to actually be mindful and completely be present as long as you give your very best during the time that you are there with that book or with that person or wherever you are. Right, right. Well, you are the first person that I've interviewed who sees reading as mindful. At least that's you're the first person we've talked to about this. And I think this is really fascinating. Did you read a lot when you were a child? Um, I was... I was just a nerd. Like I, I, I wasn't into reading as much as I was into doing well at school. So mm-hmm. that was my motivation. That was always my motivation to do very well at school. So reading didn't really come to me for like, reading wasn't my thing until I realized how powerful it was, like how it changed my life again and again and again. And at some point I was like, man, these books are so amazing and they're so revolutionary. And every book they you knew people have put in, six months of their lives, a year of their life. And here I am, I can read the book in like two hours, three hours, four hours, whatever it is. And nowadays with Audible, I listen at 3x the speed. So I listen to a six hour book in two hours and I, I you know, it's, 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 it's so fast, so quick. And one idea can absolutely revolutionize the way you look at the world. 
So it wasn't something that started when I was young, but it's a it's it's something that I've developed into, and I um, now it's like an addiction. Yes. Well, my big question is this. Do you want to write a book or maybe you have written a book? I don't know. Do you have that desire? I don't have any desire to write a book yet. Maybe that will change as as this goes on. But right now I'm just enjoying myself, breaking down ideas and conceptualizing ideas and talking about them. And at some point when that becomes enough, then I'll probably go and uh, figure out a way to express those ideas back in a different way, maybe in a book format or some other format. But right now it's, it's, I, I don't feel that urge yet. Right. Sure. So, but most- I do love expressing myself. Like when I'm in the front of a camera or something like that, it's a different kind of uh, expression. And to me that also, like there's so many things in this life that we can do that are mindful, yes. that are that require mindfulness. Being in front of a camera requires me to be hundred percent present. Being on the microphone here with you is 100% presence. Working out in the gym, 100% presence. You cannot do these things half-hearted. No. Yeah, it's true. So do you still read fiction as well as nonfiction? <laughs> I don't have time for I fiction. Would, I wouldn't think you would, but I, I wanted to ask you that. I, I, I ran out of time for fiction. But I will pick up, uh, you know, uh, something like The Alchemist or, you know, as I said, the Fountainhead and the Atlas Shrug were one of my early beginnings, and I mm-hmm. read a lot of fiction back in the days. But no, don't don't have the time anymore. I wish, uh, um, yeah, I don't even wish that I had the time. I, I I could I could just spend time reading normal books. Sure. Well, you've interviewed quite a few authors. Who pops into your head as an author that you interviewed that really seemed to have that mindfulness that they were so grounded and focused? David Allen. Oh. David Allen of getting things done was to me was the person closest. Like he gets like he is so I, I believe he has been doing this for a long time. Like he gets it. Like he understands the importance of having that space in our mind, having that space to be completely uh, in the moment to do what you need to do. So some of these, I mean maybe partly because he writes about it. So he has to be like that. So David Allen was really up there. And then along with him were Cal Newport, who wrote uh, Deep Deep Work, and uh, uh, Daniel Leverton, who wrote The Organized Mind. So these are some of, some of the authors who actually write about productivity, but at the same time, I could feel that they practice what they preach. Can you think of any author that you've interviewed who really had a great sense of humor and they had this mindful humor going on? Oh, uh, man. You, you, you tripped me there because uh, humor isn't really my forte. I'm, 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 not, uh, I, I'm not the funniest guy on the, on the block. I tell you that. <laughs> so I don't, even, I don't even pick it up. Like I don't even um, think or I don't um, process that. Right. Well, disappears from my head. There's a, a book written by the man who created the comic strip Dilbert. Uh-huh. Scott Adams. Scott. And I find him very funny. You've read mm-hmm. the book, right? Yep. Yep, yep, yep. Did you find it funny? Because I, I got a big kick out of it because I thought, you know, here's a book that's presented in a different kind of a way. And I found myself smiling a lot through that. But I really enjoyed it because it just seemed so authentic. It seemed so authentically him. Huh. Um, I, I really like the book. And he is he's a very interesting character. Like I thought um, I, and I love love Dilbert, too. The comic strips are amazing. 
Um, but the book, uh, book is awesome. Um, anyone listening, go get the book. If you want to, uh, if you want to learn about failure and success in life, it's a yes. great book. Um, it is. Yeah, it was, it was funny. It was funny. Um, but when I have to get my funny fix, I need to watch something. I need to watch a video or something like that. Reading will not cut it for me. <laughs> <laughs> Fair enough. Fair yeah. enough. Well, it's just so amazing to 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 hear you on your podcast talking about all this. And now you do so much on video. Tell me what moved you toward video. I know you already said that you really like doing this, appearing on camera. Let's talk about that. Yeah, um, it's fascinating. So I picked up Toastmasters. I don't know if you're familiar with I Toastmasters. I am, and I love Toastmasters, yeah. yes. So back back in 2003, 2004, when I used to live in Austin, I was working for this company called Cirrus Logica, uh, a technology company, and I was an engineer there. And um, I started going to Toastmasters. That was my outlet. I was a nerd at the time. I had no social life other than my friends. I had no dating life going on. Believe it or not, like um, dating wasn't a part of my life when I was 24, 25, 26. That's how, how horribly... A lack of uh, horribly um, 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 confident or lack of uh, confidence I had in myself at the time. So Toastmasters was my way out. Like I, I wanted to find a way to express myself, and I wanted to find a way to learn to um, to to communicate better. Yes, and that started the journey for me, and I've I've since gone on to to you know to lead Toastmasters groups and things like that. But that, like, I got addicted to the idea. Like, I could just be in the front of the room, talk to people, express my ideas, inspire them, and feel like I, I get a literal kick out of being able to express my ideas to a group of people, especially when I'm in a camera and I can express those ideas. I feel like I'm talking to you. I feel like I'm talking to my audience and I'm I'm inspiring. I'm doing my job in this world. So camera, it's a great place. It really is. Do you do speaking engagements? I mean, other than Toastmasters, you do that, but do you do presentations and talks and keynote addresses I at do, conferences? I do presentations and talks, but I don't do paid speaking gigs uh, yet. Maybe that will change. Right now, I'm just not I'm just not focused on that part of the business right now. And I have, I really don't even know if that is something that is going that I'm going to evolve into. I enjoy doing it. I'll do it at our local clubs. I'll do it just because it's fun for me. But sometimes I feel like if I take all my passions and start putting business around them, I might run out of all my passions. <laughs> sure, sure. Do you have other passions that involve, like, I don't know, art or anything like that? Do you have other interests yeah. like that? Yeah, yeah. I mean, um, art would be a little out there, but I do enjoy salsa dancing. I enjoy rock climbing. I enjoy sailing. So there are other things that I I really love to do. Uh, and uh, if I had more time, I'd do more of them. And traveling is probably one of my all-time favorites. So oh, and so is salsa dancing what keeps you so fit, or do you have other exercises that you do? Workouts? Wow. Do you go to the gym on a regular basis, sort of thing? I have to go to the gym every day. I have to go to the gym every day and I have to either go to the gym or go running. Like one of those things have to happen. Otherwise I'll feel like my day is incomplete. I'll feel like uh, the, the day is not done yet. So, and so for you is running a mindful experience? Yes, it is. It is. Running is a mindful exp- mindfulness experience. Rock climbing is a big time mindfulness experience because it requires you to be so focused in that moment. You can't that's the beauty. I mean, uh, sometimes yeah. when I think of mindfulness experiences, I'm thinking of getting in the flow zone and uh, in the flow in, in those experiences. And rock climbing is one of them. 
and of course you know if i if i talk about all the different uh, things that are part of my life meditation is probably one of the most profound ones that has impacted my life in many different ways well let's talk about that what form yeah. does meditation take in your life is it silent what does it look like yeah so uh for all of your listeners out there i'm not sure there are so many different kinds of meditation the yes. one i practice it's called vipassana uh, v-i-p-a-s-s-a-n-a and anyone who's listening if they want to check it out it's on dhamma.com or org dhamma.org the beauty of that thing it it has been handed down from the days of buddha to today and anyone around the world can go and take a 10 day meditation workshop where you actually get to live there for 10 days they will pay for your food and boarding and everything else and they will teach you meditation for free so 10 days of free meditation that you can learn and it is amazing but wow. at the same time you have to be completely silent for 10 days yes and where <laughs> did you go to experience that manny the first few times i did it when i was in india i was in jaipur so i did it in jaipur i think three different times then i've done it here in in the us in dallas area and i'll probably go again uh, at some point uh, so the vipassana meditation one of the fundamentals or there are two ways we do it and i can talk more about it if you want because please to me, do that, yeah um one of them is breath based meditation in the sense we're observing our breath we're not trying to control we observe the flow of breath as it goes in as it comes out and what that does is that it allows us to create a meta level understanding of what is going on right so that's one but when you go even deeper the real vipassana meditation that is when you actually observe your body fully so that's what i do every morning 15 minutes without fail i sit down and you just observe the sensations in your body as you go you scan your body up and down and it can go really deep where you actually scan the inside of your body with your mind and what why is it so powerful like most people think mindfulness is one of those soft things it's a woo woo thing and no i think it is one of the most profound and i'm an engineer i'm a physicist i don't take things for granted you know i i i've got to have proof so i don't just do them just because um what happens with meditation what happens with this kind of meditation this is real mindfulness meditation when you are sitting down you're not being guided by anything you're just doing it yourself you are creating a level of awareness that's above your current level of awareness it's right. metacognition it's cognition about your level of cognition because you're creating an awareness of your own thinking you are able to think about your own thinking and that is very powerful because in moments of distress in moments of extreme agitation in moments of chaos you can be the one with calm because you can see yourself about that you can see yourself having that experience and that i think is very under like it's 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 not something that people talk about it's not something that people understand well but i think if we did as a society our level of awareness in this world will go up dramatically i totally agree with you there manny i hope it's okay to ask you this question and if it isn't just say so and we won't talk about it but in the bio it i said this i said you started 
in your teens because of what you describe as a major failure. Now, I don't see any sign of any failure in your life, but is that something you want to talk about, share with oh, us a yeah, little bit? I mean, I've, absolutely. I mean, I've, I've, had, I've had my fair shares of share of failures, a lot of them, Bruce, a lot of them. I've been, uh, I've been, I've been, I've failed a lot. But let's start with this one. Back in 1996, this is when I was uh, graduating from high school. Uh-huh. Uh, yeah, now I just dated myself. <laughs> uh, and uh, in India, what we have is called, uh, uh, is there is an exam that's a very, um, it's one of the most difficult exams you can take. It's for an entrance to a college called IIT, or it's a set of colleges called the Indian Institute of Technology. And uh, the exam is so hard. 100,000 back then, 100,000 people would write it and 2,500 people would get it. So only 2.5% people would get it. Wow. Yeah. So my brother wrote that exam four years before me and he ranked 92nd out of 100,000 people in all of India. 92nd. So the expectations on me were really high to perform. And only that, he went on to do computer engineering. He did what he wanted to when, I, when it came for me to write the exam, the night before the exam, I could not fall asleep. Uh-huh. I was so stressed out. I was so nervous that I was awake till five in the morning and the exam was at nine. So my parents were so, they were so nervous for me. They said, well, you can just take a sleeping pill. And <laughs> you can imagine what happens when you take a sleeping pill the night before the exam. Yes. And now you're like, not only did you not fall asleep, but now you're groggy throughout the day. Yes. So I probably wrote the worst exam of my life. And the expectation for me was to be able to get a really good rank so I could go do computer engineering and do all those things. But it didn't turn out like that. So the rank, you know, I was so disappointed with everything that went down. In When the results came out, my rank was like 2,252. But to be you know, it was a passing grade, but I couldn't get the subjects I want, uh-huh. wanted. And it was, it was a disaster in my opinion. And uh, I felt like a complete failure at the time. And at, at that point, I was like, how is it possible that even though I knew this stuff, I couldn't bring my very best in the moment when I needed the most. Mm-hmm. And that's when I wanted the answer because I was frustrated. I was disappointed. I was depressed for a month. Like my mom was so concerned about me. She's like, what happened to you? And when you're that young, you don't have perspective that 2,252 is not a big deal. You know, you'll get another chance. Yes. I was just uh, frustrated as I was, I was mad. I was angry. I was, I felt like a complete failure in my life at the time. And uh, I kept on searching, like, why do we, why can't we perform? Like how, why is it that I'm performing, underperforming and uh, screwing up my life like this? Like th- th- those were the thoughts going on in my mind. And as the search went on, that's when I found meditation. Like my brother was doing meditation at the time as well. So he recommended I go check out this thing uh, called Vipassana. It's a 10-day retreat in my hometown, Jaipur in India. And that's how it started. And <laughs> um, yeah, I've been wow. doing it since. So when you went for that first 10-day retreat, how difficult was it for you to be completely silent for that whole time? Was that, was that scary? It wasn't scary, but it was difficult. I'll tell you that. It's it's difficult. But at the same time, after a while, you get used to it. After uh-huh. three or four days, you get used to it. But it was it was not easy. I'll tell you that. That meditation is is um, is very challenging. It will take you to your limits. And uh, there were times when my head was spinning. There were times when I threw up because I couldn't. Like, I don't understand why that would happen. 
but uh, it is very and it's not anything mystical it was something as simple as just observing your breath and observing your body but you, it's almost like your your when your brain or your mind is not accustomed to sitting and closing your eyes it's sit you know sitting down to meditate for 8 hours a day or 10 hours a day it wants to revolt right. uh, but over time it became one of the most peaceful experiences but it took time it took time right. and effort and um i will tell i will caution all the people who are starting off today who want to meditate that meditation is not a blissful experience meditation is not something that you're going to suddenly feel good right this moment it's one thing where you know you it it's almost like you're observing the the waves that are happening in your life so it will be bad one day it will be good one day but that is meditation that is mindfulness observing that sure yeah manny have you ever experienced bullying um yes yeah i guess in college so i i have always been a scrawny like i was i was i was the skittiest uh, and in college i was like or in high school i was the shortest kid and I was the skinniest kid thankfully somehow i grew taller after that but i'm uh, still i'm still a skinny kid so yeah there was uh, there was bullying in my college days and people you know making fun of me or people you know physically bullying me because i was the smallest kid or the scrawniest kid um but yeah uh, and how did you that. deal with that like did you did you just deal with it silently on your own would you say you used any kind of mindfulness to get through that no i did not use any kind of mindfulness i was just resentful towards those guys and i would try to avoid them and i kind of hated those guys that was the extent of it i i, I don't think i was i was uh, understanding enough at that point to be able to uh, use any kind of mindfulness to that and how about when you look back on it now do you see it differently um i don't like at this point i have like it's not even something i think about it's never sure when i when i was actually reviewing your questions i was uh, i was thinking when that's you know i i can't really have i, I don't really have any specific uh, traumatic or experience like that but it's partly also because i choose not to dwell on those of um, course there's so many failures in my life but i um i will i want to keep on programming the right story to myself Sure, that makes sense. And you know, some people say to me, you know, I was bullied, but it was really the voices in my head. It was really me who was doing most of the bullying. You know, and and that makes sense. You know, sometimes that inner voice is what causes us so much problem. Yeah, that that sounds scary. Oh, uh, I, I do I do feel like I bully myself sometimes and that's mostly because I feel like okay, well, this goal didn't get accomplished. So that's a kind of bullying you know that's a lack of self compassion towards myself that i am still learning to deal with and uh, there's a great book on that topic uh, by kristen neff uh, on self compassion that your listeners would love to check out oh great yeah i'll put that in the show notes yeah yeah so how do you reward yourself when you really are proud of what you've achieved <sighs> That's a tough one, Bruce. I, I don't do that very often. Like I'm not. You go not, to the gym and you work out even more. Is that what you do? Yeah, it's not in my nature to uh, uh, spend time rewarding myself, or um, I, I I still feel like I have so much to accomplish that I haven't uh, had the time to reward myself or haven't uh, gotten there yet. Um, so I don't have a good answer to that. 
Well, you live in San Diego. Do you ever go down to the beach? Do you ever run down there? Do you enjoy the, the water and the sand? Yeah, as a matter of fact, I was there yesterday. I was there the day before. I, I live in downtown here and uh, everything is right next door. I mean, the, the bay is right here. It's beautiful. And I agree. I mean, those are very rewarding moments. I, I can see how that could be a big reward in itself. Um, so yes, uh, thanks for reminding me. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, well, I think, you know, being from Canada, being from London, Ontario, you know, at this time of year, particularly, we, well, we do get outside and we enjoy the snow, we enjoy <laughs> the cold weather, but it's very yeah. different from what you're enjoying. Oh, no, I'm sweating here right now as I'm sitting here. <laughs> right. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, Manny, my next questions are just five quick answer questions. The first one is, who is one person who has influenced your mindfulness? Um, okay. Other than the mindfulness meditation practice that I did, which was through the leader, uh, Koanka, I would say it has to be Tony Robbins because he taught me a lot about uh, uh understanding the importance of my physiology, my body in the moment where I'm thinking like my focus, my meaning. Like, so, so Tony is definitely that. I went to his, I've been to his seminars. It's amazing. Yeah, I agree. I, I, I love the man. I love his seminars, the way he inspires. How has mindfulness affected your emotions, Manny? Oh, I have, it's much more well-managed. The, my emotions are much more, in control, well-managed, rather than up and down. So how has breathing changed for you? Tell us how breathing is part of your mindfulness practice. Oh yeah, big time. Um, There are instances in, you know, almost every few days you'll find yourself in situations where um, you feel frustrated, overwhelmed, confused, whatever. And a simple breathing technique that anyone can do is just breathe in to the count of four or five, and then breathe out to the count of 10. And that is a very powerful exercise because it gives control back to your parasympathetic nervous system, to your prefrontal cortex, away from your limbic brain. So So here's a question for you. If you could recommend a book related to mindfulness, what would that be? I was thinking about that, and I figured I cannot give you that answer because I don't really literally read any books on mindfulness. But I will tell your listeners, if they have the time, go do. Or if you don't have the time, then you must do two of those. You should do a meditation at Dhamma, D-H-A-M-M-A dot O-R-G. It is life-changing. It will change your life by far beyond anything you've ever done in your life. So check it out. It's 10 days but it is the most powerful form of meditation. And the beautiful thing, it's not like TM or anything like that where you have to pay money. TM is $1,000 or something. This is free. They will house you. So please go. Yeah. And, you know, I was just recently listening to you. As you know, we talked about this before we went on air. And that is you recently reviewed uh, the book by Michael Phelps and Mm -hmm. how he's achieved what he's achieved. And to me, so much of that is closely related to mindfulness. Would you agree? Yeah, absolutely. So M- Michael Phelps is one of those guys, much as he, we give him, we applaud his uh, achievements for his physical accomplishments. What, what is worth applauding even more is how he has been able to focus his mind to get what he wants, how he has been able to completely be mindful of what he's trying to accomplish. I was just listening to one of his interviews one time and he said, every doorway he goes through, 
he repeats an affirmation to himself. Now imagine how how much mindfulness it takes for you to be aware every moment of your goal, every moment like you you we pass through doorways all day long. But That's that amazing. mindfulness is critical. Yeah. So, and I remember yeah. you saying that for three years, I think it was three years, he only took three days off and two of them were, it was because he had a, had a wisdom tooth removed. And then the other day was something else, but that's amazing to keep up that kind of pace, isn't it? Yeah. Five years. Oh, he it was five years. Off. Yeah. Two days for wisdom and one for prom and that's it. Oh, unbelievable. <laughs> yeah. But his coach totally changed his life. So it was his coach who who taught him to train like this, to think like this. Manny, can you share an app which you would recommend, which would help you become more mindful or our listeners? Yeah, I would say airplane mode or off is the app you need. Yeah. That is the ultimate app when it comes to mind. <laughs> and not enough of us use it, do we? <laughs> no, for some reason, we don't. And yeah. um, I, let, me, let me say one thing. People underestimate the value of uh, structure. You know, people want to be free, and so they don't want to limit the use of their cell phones or anything like that. But the truth is, and this is a paradox, structure leads to freedom. So if you can turn it off, you will be free beyond what you know is possible. Right. Great advice, Manny. Manny, it's been really terrific to talk with you, spend this time. How can we learn even more about what you do? How can we connect with you? Absolutely. Please come check out, like if you are into uh, self-development and reading and learning, uh, please check out our podcast. It's 2000books, 2000books.com. And you can search for it on iTunes and everywhere else. Of course, I have a YouTube channel. We, we publish summaries of books on the podcast. I interview a lot of the authors. And of course, our website as well, where we have a whole bunch of um, books and book summaries and ideas and all that stuff. So please come check it out, 2000books.com. You'll be glad you did. I highly recommend it. It's a wonderful podcast and just a great way to connect with the authors and the messages that they're sending out there. And so thanks for doing what you do, Manny. It's really, really awesome. Hey, Bruce, thank you very much for having me here. Your interview has made me think way deeper than I usually think about this topic. So thank you for having me here. And I'm, 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 I'm a big fan of what you do. And I wish you the very best in this journey. And I'm excited to see our YouTube channel going. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, I'm excited too. Thanks so much, Manny. Have a great rest of your day. Thank you. Yeah, bye now. Bye. Thank you so much for joining us today on Mindfulness Mode. For insightful blog articles and show notes for every episode, check out mindfulnessmode.com. If you've enjoyed this podcast, you could help us out by clicking on the iTunes link on our website and leave a rating and review. Till next time, Mindful Tribe, use what we've learned today to reach new heights of calm, focus, and happiness. Stay in the mode.